0: Hi, y'all. This is Brent Brown, and I got Brian Allison here. You're listening to the Small Room Sniff. Podcast. Anyways, uh, what's up, Brian? What's going on, Brent? Oh, not too much, man. For first time I've done one of these in probably like two months, so dusting off the... Uh, uh, right inn. on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Brian Allison, when did we meet? About six months ago? Maybe, maybe a year? Yeah, uh,
1: maybe a year ago, right when I first started out going full-time. We met through uh, passing at uh, the Hampton Social.
0: Yeah, so this is a a venue in Chicago. It's really like a seafood restaurant, chill spot to hang out and listen Mm -hmm. to some tunes. And they're great because they have tons of musicians coming through there. But anyways, I really wanted to get Brian on the show because he is an example of uh, somebody who's taken a leap into the music business. That's right. So... Before a year ago, what what was your life looking like?
1: Um, So, I had been playing uh, in Chicago for about five to six years, and it finally got to a point where I started rethinking about my life choices as far as what I was doing as a career. I was a mechanic for 14 years, and... Um, that wasn't really panning out anymore. And um, like I had told you once before, I, my brother and my dad passed away uh, within a year, and I had just had my twin boys. So that was a huge reflection on where I was at in my life and the decisions that I was making if it was the right ones to keep moving forward and if I was happy in those situations and stuff like that. So I really uh, took it as uh, life is short and I need to really pursue my passion, which is music, obviously. And so 2016, um, I was still working a full-time job and I decided to really just see how many shows I could play Still working a full time job. So I played over a hundred shows, and I mean, it was just go, go, go. I'd get home from work and go out and play, and I mean, it was just a hundred miles an hour. And finally, it got to the point where I can do this playing music and make more money in a weekend than I do in a whole week of working on cars, and it was finally like, I'm just gonna go for it, and my wife is super supportive, and she said, just do it. So I finally just did it. Nice, and then this is just a a caveat, but like, does your wife work? Yeah, she still works. Okay, that Um, helps. Yeah, for sure, she definitely uh, uh, supports the the big things that everybody always asks about, like health insurance and stuff like that. Okay,
0: cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, so you got, so everybody, Brian's got four kids, mm-hmm, which yes. which is crazy. Are, yeah. th- are they all younger?
1: Yeah, Lynn and Miles, they're my twin boys, they're five. Uh, my daughter June is turning four on Christmas, and then my son Grady is turning th- two in March. Okay, so... Yeah, I guess
0: anybody who's listening who is a musician who's thinking about like, man, I wish I I wish I could get this thing cooking. How old are you now, if you don't mind I'm thirty two. Thirty two, okay. Yeah. So you were about thirty one when you made the jump. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's crazy, man. I I I remember taking taking that leap back when and I was about twenty two, but I was dabbling with it as well. But I was like a waiter at the same time, mm-hmm. and it's tough because you're. And I could only imagine if you have four kids, you have a wife, and you're like, I have to make this work.
1: Right, and, and that, and I think that's the biggest thing because this past year, a lot of people have asked me, you know, do you wish that you would have done it when you were younger, you know, you know, before the kids and you know, I thought about it and it's like, no, this was the right moment, you know, for me to finally go for it. And yeah, having that pressure of I need to provide for my family and pay for my house and stuff like that, that's a huge motivator. Like if I was a kid and You know, I was living with my parents and I didn't have a car payment. You know, I would have only gigged here and there and taken a Friday off or, you know, so it's really like I need to play every moment that I have available so I can provide for my family, you know. Okay, so
0: here's the next question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Without having some sort of crazy... Better genes than everybody that allows you to have that much energy, <laughs> you know. Because <laughs> yeah. a lot of a lot of folks, like uh, me, myself included, like I feel like I got to try pretty dang hard to like motivate myself to like do work when I'm tired. And right. it sounds to me like there's no way you couldn't have been tired putting in all that extra work. How do you take care of yourself? Is there anything
1: it's, extra you do? Uh, I mean, really. The kids were a good prep for not or being used to uh, functioning without sleep because when the boys were born, it was me and my wife both getting up and at the night during the nighttime and we would have to both get up and feed the kids. And so eventually you just learn to function and then I'd have to go to work. And you just learn to you know, get used to functioning on five to six hours of sleep. So and that's essentially what I'm doing now. And my wife is really supportive and if I get home really late, she'll let me sleep in. But most of the time with the Hampton social gigs, I gotta be out of the house by ten o'clock or whatever to get to the city. You yeah. know, if it's that first set. So you just learn to uh you know, you get used to it. And then it's the hustling side of it, you know, because everybody thinks, oh, yeah, you just go out and play music. But during the day, I still drop the kids off to my mother-in-law's to go back home and get all the emailing out and promotion and, you know, just reaching out to new places, just always looking for a new spot. Yeah, yeah. and
2: not
0: only that, but, like, it's hard enough just... Tracking your mileage and receipts when tax time comes. Oh, I don't uh, even know if you're about to deal with that. Maybe for the first time in a. In our- yeah, I've been. <laughs> I've
1: been keeping track of it throughout the year. Uh, just this couple weeks ago, I really just went through everything and just organized everything. So it's just. Yeah, ready to go and just here you go for
0: sure that's the that's the other part of becoming a musician you don't know that uh you're gonna need to minor in accounting by the time you get <laughs> right to the, yeah right the tax season yeah but uh you, you still got the whites in your eyes man <laughs> <laughs> you do you do uh I, I don't i don't know man i i'm i'm so different i need like at least eight hours of sleep or i'm just like a freaking loaf. Yeah. I don't even. <laughs> right. I don't know, man. But when there's bills to be paid, yeah, and, you know,
1: and there's mouths to feed. Then it's like, well, I gotta do yeah, it. And totally. You just, and you just go for well, it. Well, I think know? it's
0: all perspective too, and like, uh, and just if you get used to something, your body adapts. Right. Yeah. Know? So I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I I sometimes wonder. I I put my phone charger on the other side of the room finally like made it so like I kind of scooched it like further away <laughs> right. so that but then I would still be but then I would still be like freaking grabbing it by the cord and, like dragging it over to me when I was tired and stuff like right. and then I still snooze the thing and then right, all of a sudden right. like I look at Facebook for a second and then I'm like sleeping again I'm like okay Brent this is not good man <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you were supposed to get up an hour ago yeah. and start yeah. recording or this that and the other right. thing, you know yeah. and and man, so even just that little stuff helps me. But it's it it always amazes me. Uh, some other examples, you know, like Greg Hyde, Family Man. Yeah, right. Like yeah. honestly, you for anybody who thinks you uh, you need to like have this certain lifestyle if you're a musician, it is not true. Search up Gregory Hyde.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and that was one of the things that inspired me to go full time because. I just started really connecting with the scene and to see who was out there playing full time. And I'd seen that you were playing full time. Um, And I saw, I saw Greg Hyde playing full time. And then I found out that he had three kids at the time. And I was like, well, if this guy can do it, then I can do it. You know, I believe in myself enough to where, you know, I'm fully capable of staying motivated and, being on top of things and so I sat down with him and we talked and he kind of gave me some pointers of what I should you know do and how I should you know do things and so I listened and it helped me out a lot and that was huge you know one of the main things everybody always asked me what was the biggest thing that you learned in the first year of being full-time and for me it was connecting with other artists that are like-minded and doing the same thing and trying to accomplish something similar to me. Everybody has their own path of where they want to go musically, but to sit down with them and see how they're doing it and see what works for them and then essentially, you know, form your own way of doing it and if that's working for you, then keep doing it. And then if it's not, you know relook at it and see what's going wrong and why it's not working out and reamp it and see if that works you know and what I'm doing right now seems to be working and that's essentially just hustling and really just putting yourself out there
0: yeah I think it's <clears throat> I, I think it's not actually that complicated if you just work hard yeah, right. <laughs> and, and that's... that's that's the trick though. Is uh, man working hard is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. But but uh, I'm not gonna tell you who exactly it is because I don't want to, uh, you know, solo him out or anything. But uh, I I have a friend who is leaving their full time job right now. uh has got a family, and is. It really doesn't have a plan, has enough money to be like, OK, for a little bit. But really, right. it just came down to my soul isn't being fulfilled. I'm getting older. I have kids and I need I need I need to spend time with them. I need myself again. Like it's right, not right. enough to just keep working. Right, this right. job. Right. 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 I think that's part of the reason that I like doing this podcast, too, is I like having musicians on. You know, it doesn't mean I have to have on people who are all full-time, but at least folks who are aspiring to, well, the only thing that I really understand is, like, art and music. But you could be aspiring to, like, build rockets, but I might not be able to hang with you intellectually.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, I'll have you on if you can play the guitar, though. It'll be yeah, great. Right. It'll,
0: but, uh, yeah, man, so... I, I uh, listened through a bunch of your stuff. I listened through your latest release, "Waiting on You," um, mm-hmm. when you put it out. Yeah, and, yeah. And it on Spotify it sounds really good. That was done actually at Greg Hyde Studio.
1: Yeah, uh, two of the songs, "Waiting on You" and "No Way Out," um, uh, changed, and uh, what's the other track on there? Um, I don't know. It was over a year ago at this point.
2: Um, I,
1: I can look it up for you. I got it right here. You and I. Uh, you and I, duh. Um, you and I and uh, Change was done at Viking Sound Studio in the city.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: Uh, um. And then you put your first album out
0: in 2015. Sounds good, man. Sounds like you put a lot of work into that, too. Like, yeah. where was that done? Did you, was uh, that a big investment? Yeah,
1: that one uh, with Redfield was. Yeah. Uh, and who is Redfield? Redfield's the band that, um, that I started out in, with, what, four or five years ago. We formed um, a couple of friends from high school, and then my bass player, Joe Scola, um, Brad Sabathony, and Aaron Sabathony. Um, we formed that band, and we played out. Um, we would play cover shows, original shows. And that was that album. Back in the middle was done at ElectroWorks Studio in uh, Downers Grove, and we really took some time on that one. It took over a year to get that one completed, uh-huh. and so that was uh, essentially all the songs on that album were songs that I had written through like the past anywhere from seven to eight years, and just finally pick the ones that fit that album the best, you know, and the ones that I like the best, too, so that was a lot of fun, we really pushed that one when we uh, first released it, and then, yeah, and then I started kind of going a different direction as far as just kind of pursuing things, Um, I still play with with Redfield here and there, it's just, uh, you know, obviously it's always easier to you know, rocket s- solo, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: but it, you know, it's a it's quite a push and pull because uh, I I've had a couple bands that I've played with, and it, you know, people move on, people are always changing. When you're a singer songwriter, uh, you're really you're really um, in need of of people who believe in the music that you're making because you're not. Calling yourself a band name that really encompasses everybody. It's not like their thing, it's your thing. Right. And uh, so you need a group that understands that. Right. Yet at the same time, like, you really do kind of got to make it worth it for them too if they're going to play with you. Right. You know? And uh, that's the hardest thing a lot of people are always like, why don't you play with the band more? It's like, well, because I don't really want to do the cover thing necessarily with the band because like, I just make more money doing that solo. And the passion exactly. isn't quite as much there for the cover thing for me personally. Right. The originals, though, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, Big yeah. time, the passion's there with the band. Like I would do that all the time if I could. And that's yeah. a goal cool one day. Right, for but, sure. Right now, it's like, dang, I got to pay you each a hundred bucks and I'm not making any money and this place doesn't want it. It's not that they don't want to pay for original music, but it's like people just want to hear what they know sometimes. uh, Right,
1: exactly. And that's exactly my thoughts with the full band and everything, where it's like, well, I'm getting offered, I could play solo for this amount of money or I could bring the full band and take a cut. Obviously, I need, I need to think of my family first, so I take it as a solo. And, you know, and they're all really supportive, you know, on my decisions and stuff like that because they know the situation that I'm in. So they're like, we, you know, whatever you need to do to make it happen, and they've said it to me, they were like, we'll be here, you know, whenever you need us. Will back you up, so that's good to have that support from them. It's you know? it's
0: nice to know it's there, but at the same time, you, I, at least I personally like I feel that too, even for my family. But the last thing in the world I ever want to do. Because I feel like I'm just letting down myself at that point if I have to ask somebody else. So it holds your toes to the fire even more. But right. it's nice to know that, like, yeah, worst case, I get hurt or something. Like, right, right, right. People care about me. Like, that's right, nice right. to know. Right. And and sometimes, like, I know some peeps who who, like, you, I, you know, people care about them and everything, but maybe they don't have as much of a back support, but they're still doing it. And I think is a noble thing. I think you got one life live right. it how you want to live it sort yeah. of thing. And, uh, you know, I don't, do you do you believe in a higher
1: power at all? Yeah, I believe in God for okay. sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a, that's a funny thing nowadays. Like people, people are like being more polite and calling it like the universe and stuff like that. Right. Like, to try right. to like get a, you know, like Christmas or saying like happy holidays and like, right. I, I don't, I, I don't so much mind like at all. Uh, I just think it's, I think it's nice if if people like think that like we're not an accident. That's my
1: Right, right, exactly. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right. Like, exactly. When
0: I'm sitting here with you right now and I'm like I'm like looking around like how did all this stuff get here? And like how am I me <coughs> and how are you you? Right. And like we're exactly. talking through these mics and people are like, like it doesn't right. make any uh, Yeah, it's...
1: there's there's no way that <laughs> it was from a cell or whatever they say it is yeah. and stuff like that. Anyways, uh We'll
0: save that for the Philosophical
1: Podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah. The Small Room Sesh in spirit. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: um, so anyways, uh, what, when did you start playing? Because it's not like you just were like, oh, I'm just going to play guitar now, and you were awesome.
1: Yeah, um, I started playing when I was 12. I bought my first guitar when I was 12. It was a black court guitar with humbucker pickups in it, and... uh when did you start playing in front of people? Oh, in front of people? Uh, we'd have to fast forward to probably like 19 or 20 years old. Um, okay. I would play like open mic nights in college. And then I would come home and I would play in between my dad's set breaks with his band and I would just play my oh, cool. Original. Oh, so you
0: got a musical family.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. It goes all the way back to my grandparents, my uh, grandparents did big band stuff, um, like Glenn Miller. Uh, My grandpa sang with the Army Air Force Band and Glenn Miller. Uh, My grandma sang with Gene Krupa, all the big band stuff. And then my dad, my dad did all the touring and stuff like that, too.
0: That is freaking awesome, man. Yeah. And you've done a little bit of touring
1: yourself, but you you put it together, right? Yeah, I did all the touring uh, planning. I mean, I had with two other singer songwriters, um we had planned it out together, um, Saraqua and bc was it was it hard to plan that? it was uh it was really, I mean, I took it on right when I went full time, so it was kind of, you know, made me nervous because it's like, okay, I'm spending a lot of focus on these ten days when I should be focusing on just building up for the rest of the year yeah. just to build contacts, but it worked out, and it was a really great tour to the East Coast. It was 10 days, 11 shows, and, and it, we came back in the green, and that's all you could really ask nice, for. Dude. And uh, did anything crazy happen along the
0: way? Uh, Any weirdness? <laughs> I mean, Come on, weirdest yeah, thing that happened.
1: Uh, weirdest thing that happened without down in anybody. Um, yeah, you don't have to name names or yeah. specify. Uh, where were we? Um, we were, I can't say that one. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I just feel bad for yeah. the guy that I'd be talking about. Oh, no. um, you, you don't have to, man. It was, I mean, it was just a lot of, it was just, it was just being on the road and, you know, you, You're going to all these different spots and you can – I mean the coolest thing is going from uh, sleeping on a studio floor in Brooklyn to going to Cincinnati and staying in this huge mansion from like the late late 1800s. And, I mean, this place had, like, hidden passages and stuff like that. And, I mean, it was so cool. And, I mean, you're checking this place out at 3 o'clock in the morning because you just got done with your gig, you know? That's not when I'd want to be checking it out. (laughs) I know it. And, And the guy's telling us... Fred was his name, oh, this awesome God. guy. Your and, ghost friend there? Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, as long as you respect the house, the house will respect oh, you. Oh, <laughs> no. No, Fred, don't, don't tell me that before I'm going to go to bed, man. No. Oh. It was so great. But, I mean, he was the nicest guy. And he was just – the people that we met along the way, it was so great because – None of us knew him. It was a friend of a friend, and he was just like, "Yeah, I'll put you guys up for the night." And it's like, you. It was a time of reflection then because it was like, "Oh wow, there's still good people in this world that will let you into their homes to give you a place to stay." You know, I mean, it's like it's insane. You know that we have that mind frame of like, "Oh yeah, nobody does that anymore," and it's like, "Oh wait, people still." Are nice. Absolutely, <laughs> you know? man. Not only that,
0: but there's a there's a whole website that is really well put together that I signed up for, uh-huh. and I got verified on everything, and I didn't do it yet because I'm a, a slouch a little bit. No, I'm just uh, I just I just keep on writing music, and I keep on wanting to record it, and I'm getting all these gigs here. It's tough. It's tough to want to go touring or travel when like you don't have somebody else just doing it for you. Right and, and like you're doing fine where you are. The internet helps a lot. Right, I do want to use this site though. It's called Couchsurfing.com. Yeah,
1: I've heard of it. And
0: yeah. uh, it's sweet because you can host people, and they can host you, and uh, they get reviews from folks mm-hmm. and everything like that. And they get ratings. They show how many times they've hosted, how many times they've been, and you can really, uh, I mean, just kind of try to stay with veterans for your first time and like get the rundown and like. Ah, uh, they got all their driver's license, their social, their address, their credit cards. Right. So if anybody does try to like mess with you or anything like that, uh, they they will be held accountable. You right. Know? It's not it's not as shady as just like you don't know who this person is at all. You
1: well, there was one spot in Baltimore where uh, we played this little pub, and then we were unsure of where we were staying. We were we we're like, okay, we're like, go to this person's house. And we're like, all right. And I'm thinking that we're going to walk into this, you know, three-bedroom house and we'll just sleep on the floor or something. It was somebody that we don't know. So that awkwardness of, yeah. hi, we're it's 12 o'clock and we're here to stay at your house until the morning and then we're going to leave. You know, I mean, it's completely awkward. So we show up and... It's this lady, and she's just giving us this rundown, like, this is where you guys are going to stay. And it's this whole house is set up for musicians coming through on tour. Like, they have a whole room with bunk beds, like, would be stacked in this room everywhere you could fit. And then they even had sofas that turned into bunk beds. So if you were out, if there was a couple bands there that night... Whoa! And it was called Feed the Scene. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No, but
0: that's awesome. So they're almost like they're just like totally getting tons of bands coming through. Right, right?
1: and that and th- they don't charge you. They you know it's essentially just spread the word, and then they make money off of doing shows and stuff like that too. They do booking too. Mm. So but so uh, where is this at? This spot was in Baltimore. But it's a circuit. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a circuit. I've never really, like, looked into it any further after that. Dude, I might try that. Yeah, because it was was really great. I mean, she was just, you know, just clean up after yourself. Here's pillows and blankets. I mean, it was like you were set up. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was great. So that was really surprising, too, on tour, you know, to find out about that. And so... What was it called again? Feed the Scene. Feed the Scene. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, uh... I'd like to get
0: to uh, your uh, your song you're going to play for us today. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what it is?
1: Yeah, I'll play Waiting
0: on You. Waiting on You? And then yeah. anything you'd like to say about that?
1: Uh, this is a title track to my uh, newest EP that I released uh, earlier this year. Um, and it's just uh, it's just a song about... Normally I just come up with ideas and just kind of go with it, so there's never, like... There's always a touch of my life in there a little bit, but essentially it's just waiting on the right person. Okay. And and uh, before you start, how long have you been writing? Uh, I've been writing since probably 18 or 19. Okay. So yeah. it took
0: till... Like, it took years, then, for you to actually Get put something onto... A
1: good, solid recording. Me and my dad used to record in our home studio. Just didn't but release anything? Yeah, right. We never, yeah, we never released anything. Or we would just sell it at shows.
0: Okay, was anything that you put on your first album, then, was any of that from older material? Or was uh, it all pretty recent?
1: Yeah. Um So, Back in the Middle was probably... I wrote that when I was... 22 so that would put did you still
0: feel feel like it was pretty relatable to you now too
1: yeah but it was there was a disconnect a little bit because it wasn't you know like I feel like I'm more connected to um waiting on you um because those songs are a span of the last two years And kind of the situation that I'm going through, like Changed, was about pursuing music as a solo artist. Um, uh, You and I was about, you know, there was hints of me and my wife. And um, No Way Out, that one was just kind of based off of I just wanted to play a little bit more rock and roll. Yeah. Oh, you got, (laughs) I I mean, I'm kind
0: of under the the theory that a lot of folks are like, you should just put out like an acoustic album, you know? It just, oh man, but it just sounds so good when it's just you and the. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get and that I, a lot. I'm just like, man, but I li- I like to rock a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like, like, I'm yeah, I'm doing this for you guys, but I'm really doing this for me, sort of thing too. Right. And, and yeah. A, a huge thing too about being a songwriter, <clears throat> is that, like, as you're going along, like people might like your old stuff a lot, but as you keep going, you hear you hear this from bigger artists. They're always like, oh, play this song that you always play. Right, But they're right. like, really, when you're a songwriter, you're writing current to how you feel, and you're singing and it. It's like you're displaying your soul if you're writing as you go. Right. And yeah. uh, it's weird. Like, even if lyrics make sense from older stuff of mine, it's still like, I like it, it's a good song, but it doesn't even feel like mine anymore. Right, yeah. And it's kind of cool in that sense because you can play songs like that out that that stand the test of time and people just don't even they like it and they don't know what it is but it's cool and because you've had them so long that you have ingrained them right so much well, that and they the become a solid part thing the best
1: part is that you know it's kind of rewarding is when you play an original sh- uh, song you know at your typical you know cover gig where you're just sometimes you're just background music but somebody will come up to you and be like hey what was that last song and you get to say that was mine and they're yeah. like oh wow
0: i don't always announce it i actually rarely yeah i do. never yeah, yeah sometimes if i'm getting a lot of uh applause in a room like even you know it'll just randomly happen <laughs> people are eating and, and having drinks and, and talking right. to each other and all of a sudden. They start really listening, and sometimes they don't, but it doesn't mean they don't appreciate you. I get folks come up to me after gigs, like, you did a really great job, even though the room was silent. Like, right. Have oh, a yeah. couple All people, you know, yeah, after yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. it's nice to get that because sometimes there's like a, a level of somebody's got to start it you know right. oh yeah, oh, yeah. No, there is and, for and, sure and saying thank you after every song in a restaurant sometimes gets old too so right, sometimes yeah. sometimes and I'm not like gonna this.
1: expect everybody to clap yeah. after the 30 songs that I play
0: in that set but, but when you're doing that and nobody says anything and then they clap for your one original when they didn't clap for anything before yeah like, right oh yeah right <laughs> yeah that's
1: yeah that's like alright well I must be doing something right if they enjoyed it so alright
0: well we're gonna get the uh, guitar and vocals set for Brian Allison to play Waiting on You.
2: When the night draws closer to you Will you remember to leave the light on I'll wait patiently Oh, no.
0: Brian, that was an awesome, awesome original. Love thank, it. Your, thank you. Your vocals are dope. There's, thanks, man. Th- you sit in like a higher register that I, I kind of wish I had.
1: Yeah, thanks, man.
0: But uh, you know, you I, get up there. With yeah. Song, well, or? no, I got like a, I got a good falsetto, but I feel, I feel like you, you have like this nat- natural way of climbing with your chest voice. Yeah. To yeah. Bring it. And I, I'm still working on it. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: yeah. like I mean, I was. I was really, uh, I was never vocally trained. It was just always um, just listening to something and try and sing what they're singing, you know, and that's how I learned to sing. You know what? I told somebody
0: that before at a show. Like, I'm playing okay, and everybody's, like, enjoying me, and this table's complimenting me, so I go over there, and I'm like, hey, here's some cards for you guys. And then uh, somebody's like, oh, I'm a singer too. Um, and they're, they're somehow that got brought up, right? And right. I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, I just listen to like some Otis Redding and like I listen right. to like some Sam Cooke and I really just try to like emulate that. And then he goes, <laughs> oh yeah, some people, some people uh, need to do it that way and i'm just like oh you have a bit of an ego don't you my, my <laughs> yeah. excellent naturally born singer <laughs> yeah, friend in right. front of me yeah right but no the the truth is that man everybody everybody freaking learns from somewhere i mean i guess there are some like freak exceptions but there is nothing wrong with like studying and getting down into like what you're doing right, because right. you naturally make it your own
1: Right. Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: I've heard multiple singers like uh, Mick Jagger and uh, who else? Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody notable, but I've heard so many people say that Otis Redding, a lot of people, like tried to get where they were going. Right, right. Emulating that. Right, right. You know, like when the Stones heard him sing... uh, satisfaction they're like man right. that's really what we were going for <laughs> <Right>. and like <laughs> they just had to put it through his his vein you know sort of right to, yeah, to yeah, get yeah. it but that's that's the way you're doing is like if you're emulating somebody else it's like you figuring out how to hit the notes but you're putting it through your your filter right and, yeah and, and, and it's, it's beautiful. like
1: and it's always just. You know, push it as far as you can and see how far you can take it vocally, you know, with, you know, being the higher octaves and stuff like that and just see how far I can stretch my vocals to get there to where, yeah, I can sing really high, but sometimes it just it doesn't make sense, and it doesn't sound good. Some, you know? some
0: days you know when you got the tone there, if that makes right, sense. Yeah. Like, some days I can hit a higher note, but I'm not going to hit it with, like, the tone that I want to hit it with. Right.
1: And, I mean, there's even a song that I'm writing right now that I've showed you um, where I sing it in standard. I started writing it in standard tuning, and then eventually it was like, this just sounds too, like, I'm swinging for the fence, you know, where it's, like, I'm going way too high, and so I dropped it a half step, and it, like, put it in the pocket a little bit more. It just sat a little bit better, and I'm not, like, you know, screaming at the top of my lungs, you know, so now it just sounds like, okay, now this sounds good, opposed to where, hey, everyone, listen to how high I can sing, you know? Sometimes you have to play for the song. I'm gonna say, Thank God for, like, country outlaw music for, for
0: taking it low. Because <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. I some songs that I've written, it's like you everybody has this natural tendency to, like, try to show off the best that they can do right, highest yeah, all the time. Yeah, but yeah. I found that sometimes, like, the lows, like, when you're singing a melody yeah, yeah. is, like way more beautiful for a certain song right like sometimes oh, yeah, for like sure. oh man me- like the message doesn't come across if you're trying to do like sometimes uh, it's yeah. the ease of the song that right, makes it yeah. sweet so anyways uh enough uh, enough about a uh, singing listen to <laughs> yeah, uh, <right. laughs>
1: uh, so what's next for you uh, well some goals for next year that I have planned for myself um, are obviously to keep track uh, with playing, you know, like this year was to play 200 shows. I think if I keep it at, you know, 200 shows, it's you know, pretty good. But the main focus for this year is to uh, play more original shows um, and really push, you know, not a crazy amount. Like I'm saying like Four to five good solid original shows, yeah. like opening up for somebody. I mean, even four or five might be too much. You know, maybe three or four. Opening... I want to. I want to be on one on one with you. Yeah, I mean, and it and it's essentially like for my goal is to open for maybe not. I mean, a national act would be ideal, but. Or an act that's like an up and coming artist that is gonna have that draw so you don't have that pressure of you need to draw fifty people so we can pay you fifty dollars. Well it's you know. I usually what I have for things like
0: that is they're like, Well, you need to guarantee this many ticket sales in order to do Yeah, we're gonna fill the room, but you need to yourself. Right, Like, and sometimes they'll even make you advance and stuff on, like, bigger acts.
1: But if you find the right cool... Well, and what I've heard, too, is a couple of my friends that have gotten to open up for not national acts, but well-known bands, um, most of the time it's, like, here's some tickets, pass them out, and get people to the show.
2: Hmm. Like,
1: no pressure. Like, or, you know... You get paid 300 bucks, show up, play your set, and that's it. No, like, if you don't draw 50 people, then you can't play. Yeah. And then it's like, for, you know, a month, you know, and some of the promoters that I've worked with in the past, it's like, here's 50 here's 50- tickets you have two weeks yeah. and then you get I, to play I just House don't of do blues. that anymore man it's because
0: it's not they get folks who are just starting and really pushing it hard at uh, which you think you'd already learned your lesson i guess but <laughs> like when i was starting off that's like all that there was there for me and it was it was like now it's like okay i'm getting asked to do stuff and it's like that it's sweet that way and you got to build a rep but uh if you're telling somebody hey, uh, I'm opening up for this awesome band that they know, and then they're like, oh, hell yeah, man. It's easy to sell tickets. Right, and that's the thing.
1: That's the other side of it. It's, you know, the shows that I've done in the past, you know, like we were talking about it, House of Blues, Metro, Lincoln Hall, all the cool venues, they were showcase shows. So you're you're opening up for other local acts, and, and if you don't have that middle slot, all those bands that brought their people they're only going to be dedicated to those bands and you might be able to grab a couple of people that stuck around and keep them engaged and that's your goal when you play those shows is just come out steamrolling and rock people's faces off so they stay yeah totally you know and it's and that's the battle where i'd rather just play for a built-in crowd not saying that I should just already be playing for opening up for national acts. But I think I've gotten to the point where I can engage the crowd or keep the crowd engaged and and set them up, like do my job, set them up for the oh you know for the headlining act and get them amped up for that T- so
0: totally man well i hope you get some dope shows this year and i hope that i can at least get on one of them even if it's a showcase but we do got to wrap this thing up cool. i'm keeping the podcast to 45 minutes right now but uh anyways where can people find you uh brian sweet everybody brian i'll have that in the link description of this and uh, you can find the video of his performance on youtube.com forward slash brent brown 808 brian thank you so much for being Thanks on the for show having me man right. merry christmas everybody happy holidays and have a beautiful new year